Pastor Xavier Reese and a somber warning on today's Simple Truths. Listen to Proverbs. Wisdom is personified as a woman, the first nine chapters of Proverbs. They will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord Yahweh. They would have none of my counsel and despise my every rebuke. Is that you? I would pay heed. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Consequence. The dictionary states this is the effect, result, or outcome of something occurring earlier. And that's precisely where today's Simple Truth study takes us. Listen carefully as Pastor Xavier directs us to Old Testament Israel and how the past choices of some affected the future of many. To do so, we turn to the book of 1 Samuel and join him for today's message. 1 Samuel chapter 8, we're going to look at the entire chapter, verse 1 through 22. And the message entitled, Give Us a King. Notice here, verse 1 through 3, the occasion for the demand is given to us. The event is ascribed by two facts. First, is they point out that Samuel was in his advanced years. He was old, gray, the hoary head, the old King James. Old and gray-headed in chapter 12, verse 2. Now, notice the second point is that Samuel had made his sons judges over Israel. We're not told that God appointed or declared their appointment we simply are told that Samuel made his sons judges. Now, verse 3 gives us the spiritual state of the sons of Samuel. The word but indicates a sharp contrast with their office and the disqualification to serve. The particular sins are given, which are four. There in verse 3, his sons did not walk in the ways indicating in obedience to God, serving God. His sons turned after dishonest gain, indicating they were living for money, covetous. And his sons took bribes. They were selling favor and judgments to the guilty, misrepresenting God. Proverbs 17, 23 says, A wicked man accepts a bride behind the back to pervert the ways of justice. The law was very clear. The gift blinds the judge. Now, fourthly, notice his sons perverted justice. They compromised and corrupted their judgment in cases, failing to follow their father, and worse, to follow God. Notice the confrontation at the demand as given in verse 4 and 5. The representatives of the nation came to Samuel, the unanimous gathering here. The elders were representatives from the 12 tribes of Israel, as you know. They pointed out the obvious. The Samuel was old, as I said. They pointed out their knowledge of his sons, not walking with God as he, by the phrase, in your ways. They petitioned for a king notice. First, to judge them. Absolutely nothing wrong with their request for a king. We're going to see in the law, Deuteronomy 17, God said he would give them a king. And he gave them the instructions for it. But secondly, to be like all the nations, 
Here's the problem. All is absolutely wrong with this request. Wanting to be like the other nations when they were God's special people. The treasure of God. Exodus 19. Whenever you get tired of being the people of God, a child of God, and you think you can better your position, you're absolutely crazy. And you're headed for destruction. God would give him a king, but in his timing, in the right person. Right time, right man. Makes all the difference in the world. Look at six. The disappointment of Samuel at the words of the elders. The word but, again, marks the sharp contrast. And the words of the elders give us a king to judge us. This displeased Samuel. Now, look at it carefully. One would think, reading this, that Samuel was grieved that they were rejecting God. But God reveals in the next verse that he was grieved about himself. He says, oh, bummer, they're rejecting me. Look at eight. The rebellious history of the people is declared to Samuel. Not that he didn't know it. The people had a divided heart towards Yahweh. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, with which they have forsaken me and served other gods. The people had a divided heart towards Samuel also. It says, so they are doing to you also. Now notice nine. The concession to the request for a king was to be announced with certain cautions. God told Samuel that he was to heed their voice and God told Samuel to warn them in advance by revealing the behavior of the king who will reign over them. Regarding his character before the people and regarding his conduct towards the people. Notice secondly, the deterrent regarding a king, 10 to 18. God's intention here was to discourage the people from asking for a king at this time. He lays it out on them. I'm going to tell you about the king. Then I want you to reconsider and tell me again. That's what he's saying. The people were to know the words were not those of Samuel, first of all. The authority is Yahweh. So Samuel told the words of the Lord to the people. And the words dealt with the petition for the king. Now look at 11. The king's priorities as he reigned over the people would be centered on him inducting the people into service. Everything centers on him. Listen to him. He would take their sons to protect himself. As he said, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for his own chariot and to be his horsemen. Look at 12 and 13. The king's power will want to be displayed in his military might. He would take his sons, their sons, to fill his army. He will appoint captains over his thousands and captains over his fifties. He would take the other sons to provide for the army's needs, such as food and weapons. will set some to plow the ground and to reap the harvest and some to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. All Samuel was saying about this coming King Saul was contrary to what God had given in Deuteronomy 17, 14 through 20. And he's warning them. Now, God is not against war. God is not against what is here. But the context is wrong. In fact, 
We will see as we go on. God is called the Lord of wars. And he commanded many wars. Okay? Because there's a lot of pacifists around. If you're a pacifist, fine. But you can't back it up scripturally. You have to rip it out of context. Okay? It's real simple. Now, notice. He would even take their daughters. He will take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks, and bakers. Possibly a euphemism here for concubines. What a sensitive kind of guy, huh? Look at 14 through 17. The people's possessions and finances would be affected. First their families, now their finances. Verse 14, the king would appropriate property. Interesting. And he will take the best of your fields, the best of your vineyards, the best of your olive groves, the best of all these, he will give them to his servants. The king will collect heavy taxation. He will take a tenth of your grain and of your vintage and give it to the officers and service. Now, 10% wouldn't be bad today. You realize it's about 60% by the time you get done with your taxes. You only keep 40 cents of the dollar. But the dollar is only worth 40 cents, so really we have nothing. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Well, let's move on. Taking personal care of his work. Listen. And he will take your male servants, your female servants, your finest young men, your donkeys, and put them in his work. Then, taking a percentage of the herd, he'll take a tenth of your sheep. Taking all to be servants also. Look at 17 there. And you will be his servants. Interesting. Now, in contrast to this king that they wanted, that God is laying down, Samuel will give a witness to that he never took a dime from anybody, never stole anything in chapter 12, verse 3 through 4. What a contrast. Just like I read in Paul in Acts 20 there. Same thing. And so God is saying, listen, you sure you want this guy? Look at 18. The people would regret their decision for a king. And you will cry out in that day. They would reap what they sowed because of your king whom you have chosen for yourself. You cannot miss the text, ladies and gentlemen. God has nothing to do with this king. This is the people's choice. Ooh. The people will not be hurt by God. Look at it closely. The person is identified as the Lord Yahweh. He will not hear you. The particular time is indicated in that day. What day? In that day when you get this guy and he's a head taller, he's handsome, he's just an orator, he's just this and that. He says, and when you call on me, you're on your own. That is scary. Laws are warning, ladies and gentlemen, to those who would dare to break them. A deterrent and the effectiveness of laws is in the administration of the consequences. Remove the consequences from people, you destroy the authority of the law, and you help people down the path of destruction. Welcome to America with political correctness. America has been dummied down. We can't think. A letter in the internet has appeared entitled Different Drug Problem. Please listen, it's lengthy, but I think you'll get the point. The other day, someone at a store in our town read that methamphetamine lab had been found in the old farmhouse in the adjoining country and asked me a rhetorical question. Why didn't we have drug problems when we were growing up? I replied, I had a drug problem when I was young. I was drugged to church on Sunday morning. 
I was drugged to church for weddings and funerals. I was drugged to family reunions and, and community socials, no matter the weather. I was drugged by my ear. If I was disrespectful to adults, I was also drugged to the woodshed when I disobeyed my parents, told a lie, brought home a bad report card, did not speak with respect, spoke ill of teachers or preachers, or if I did not put forth my best effort in everything that I was asked of me. I was drugged to the kitchen sink to have my mouth washed out with soap if I utter a profanity. I was drugged out to pull weeds in mom's garden and flower bed and, and, and cockbirds out of dad's fields. I was drugged to the homes of family, friends, and neighbors to help out some poor soul who had no one to mow the yard, repair the clothesline, or chop some wood for them. And if my mother ever knew that I took a single dime as a tip... For this kindness, she would have drugged me back to the woodshed. <laughs> Those drugs are still in my vein, and they affect my behavior in everything I do, say, and think. They are stronger than cocaine, crack, and heroin. And if today's children had this kind of drug problem, America would be a better place. God bless parents who drugged us. It is a sad day in America, ladies and gentlemen. The Bible warns us constantly about the evil heart of man so that we not put our confidence in man. But we don't believe it. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart of man is deceitful, does we wicked. But we believe man is good. It is a deterrent for the believer not to trust a man over God or to trust his own man. Jeremiah 17, 5 says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. Wow. Listen to Proverbs. This is wisdom. Wisdom is personified as a woman, the first nine chapters of Proverbs. Proverbs 1, 20 through 30. It's lengthy, but hang on. It's worth it. Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open square. She cries out in the chief concourses, at the opening of the gates in the city, because that's where all the business, that's where the judgments are made. She speaks her words. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you, because I have called you, and you refuse I have stretched out my hand and no one regard. Because you disdain all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terrors come. When your terrors come like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord Yahweh. They would have none of my counsel and despise my every rebuke. Is that you? I would pay heed. The deterrent regarding a king was an act to temper their self-will. It's blinking red lights. Slow down. Stop. Notice thirdly, you have the decision regarding a king, 19 through 22. 
the people ignored the warnings. What a surprise. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. The people insisted on their will. And they said, no, 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 no. But we will have a king over us. This is a summary statement and a commentary on the people. A bad commentary. The people were not looking to God. They were looking to themselves. Look at 20. You have the explanation of their decision. Their desire was worldly. That we also may be like all the nations. The word we is emphatic in the Hebrew. This is their desire. Their will. They wanted to emulate the pagan governments rejecting God's theocracy over them. That's foolish. If you're looking to a man, a pastor, or anybody else before God, then you're a fool. We can pray for one another, we can counsel one another, but it has to be according to Scripture, but we must go to God individually. You understand? I am not your God. You're not my God. Notice their dependency was on the arm of flesh, that a man might judge them instead of God, and that our king may judge us. Being fallible and prone to partiality, being sure to fail, Unlike God, they want him. God has said, you sure you want this guy? This is what you get. This is what you have. And they still choose him. But notice also that a man might defend them from their enemies and go out before us and fight our battles as if God had done such a bad job through the years. As if man was more powerful than God. Notice the approbation of their decision is given to us in verse 21 and 22. He was a witness to their words here. And Samuel heard all the words of the people. He reported to God the words of the people. He repeated them in the hearing of Yahweh. But notice secondly, Samuel was a representative of God. In 22. God gave the people their desire. So the Lord Yahweh said to Samuel, heed their voice And make them a king. Those are sad words. Sad day when you keep insisting on something. And God says, you know what? Have your way. Samuel dismissed the people. And Samuel said to the men of Israel, every man go to the city. You've rejected God? It's your life. It's your city. Let's see what happens. Wow. One put it this way. God has no policeman to pass around and grab us by the neck and say, you must read your Bible or you must go to church or you must give to missions. When God created man, he made man superior to all other creatures. He gave man the power of privilege of choice. Up to now, the Lord respects that privilege. He will not force us with that privilege of choice goes the terrible responsibility of abiding by the results of the consequences of our choices. We have all the freedom to sow, ladies and gentlemen, but once you've sown, you have no freedom on what you will reap. If you sow to the flesh, you're liable to get a bumper crop. The scriptures clearly teach that God respects our free will. 
Now, if you're a Calvinist, you believe that nothing happens except by the decrees of God. And you don't believe in God's permissive will. But not only does this text disprove you, but I'm going to give you some others to show you that. So don't have an aneurysm before I finish. Hang on. We are not robots. We're free moral agents before we're born again and remain free moral agents after we're born again. We're to be obedient to the word of God in order to reap the benefit of life in the spirit while having still no sin nature. Don't ever forget that. We can never blame God for our choices or the consequences. They're all ours. Galatians 6, 7 through 8, you're familiar. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit of the spirit will he reap everlasting life. The scriptures give us many examples of God's permissive will. When believers insist on their own will, knowing the will of God. Let me give you some, ladies and gentlemen. You remember Moses? We just finished Exodus. Fresh in your mind. In chapter 4 of Exodus, God kept saying, Moses, I want to send you. I'm going to use you. And Moses kept saying, well, I can't speak. I can't. They said, all right, fine, your brother. Permissive will. He never called Aaron. Who led the idolatry of the calf? Aaron. He was never called. God's permissive will. Okay, you want it your way? I'll give you your brother. But you're going to regret it. David didn't pay attention to the many checks that came to him when he walked out and saw Bathsheba naked. The first check, when he saw her bathing naked. You bump into it? Okay. But then he went back in. The thoughts. Second check. Third, he asked, get Bathsheba. And and, and the father-in-law of Bathsheba said, she is the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. Then he called for another check. And there were many other checks when he brought in the room, I guarantee you. And David, insisting on his way, destroyed his character and his kingdom. Second Samuel 11. God's permissive will, ladies and gentlemen. You keep banging on the door. You keep insisting on your way. Once you get in there, it's all yours. You understand what I'm talking about? Perhaps you've been there already. Later on, speaking about this king, which will be Saul, Samuel says to Saul when he disobeyed God about the Amalekites, listen, 1 Samuel 15, 22 and 23. Samuel said to Saul, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord Yahweh? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as the iniquity of idolatry. The decision regarding a king was an act of God's permissive will, ladies and gentlemen. It's all on the people. Samuel has presented to us the petition of the people through the elders for a king to judge them, to be like all the other nations. The demand regarding a king was an act of self-will. The deterrent regarding a king was an act to temper their self-will. The decision regarding a king was an act of God's permissive will. Your flesh and your will are the worst thing for you. It will destroy you and so many others. You want to be king? Or do you want Jesus to be king? 
what it comes down to. Pastor Xavier Reese and the Consequences of the Flesh, Simple Truths He Draws from 1 Samuel chapter 8 today. And you can hear this program again anytime online by way of the radio listings link you'll find at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And, of course, the entire unedited message is available, as always, on CD for only $4. The title to ask for is, Give Us a King. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So, once again, the title to ask for is, Give Us a King. Or simply mention today's date when you address your request to Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 